0: back to Catching Up David. Today is episode number 27, Up. Hello, Hallie. Hello, David. Hello, Kristen.
1: Hello, David.
0: Some facts about Up. It's a 2009 computer animated comedy drama adventure film. Wikipedia made sure that all of those things were part of its description, so there you go. It's produced by Pixar and distributed by Disney. And it stars the voice talent of Ed Asner, Christopher Plummer, and Jordan the Guy, and was co written and directed by Bob Peterson, who's the voice of the dogs Doug and Alpha, and Pete Doctor, who does the voice of Kevin the Bird. Also, <laughs> Pete Doctor's daughter Elizabeth is the voice of young Ellie, who also did some of Ellie's drawings in the film, Aww. which I thought was kind of cool.
1: That is, that is cool. cool. I like that.
0: Yeah, and one more voice acting fact, Jess Q Harnell, who's the voice of one of the nurses from Shady Oaks Retirement Village, is the guy who plays Wacko Warner on the Animaniacs.
2: Ooh, I wondered why I recognized that name after you said it.
0: Yeah, that was like the defining cartoon of my childhood. Did
2: you know that they rebooted it recently?
0: I did know that. I haven't seen any of the new Animaniacs. I have not either. I'm I'm a little bit I'm I'm always worried about things like that, so I I want to hear what other people think of it before I dive into it. Like Ducktales, I know Ducktales really good. Is so phenomenal. Now, so now I I want to watch that, but good. it's it was definitely possible that it could have gone the other way, and then I would have watched it and been sad. So
2: we don't talk about that alternate future.
0: Exactly. Up premiered at the Cannes Film Festival, the first animated and 3D film to do so, and received widespread praise from critics, with many calling it one of the best animated films of all time. It grossed over 735 million worldwide, making it the sixth highest grossing film of 2009, and it won two Academy Awards and it was nominated for three more, including Best Picture, which it lost to The Hurt Locker. It was only. Oh,
2: that's what it lost to?
0: The Hurt Locker. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen... Obviously, I haven't seen The Hurt Locker. (laughs) But from what I I heard, it was, like, fine.
2: I also haven't seen The Hurt Locker.
1: I also have not seen The Hurt Locker and know nothing of what it's about.
2: I think it's a war movie, but I'm not positive.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a war movie. Anyway... Up was only the second animated film in history to be nominated for Best Picture. Do you know what the other one was?
2: I do, I do. It's uh, Beauty and the Beast.
0: Beauty and the Beast.
2: Yeah. Hallie gets a point. Yeah.
1: What if I knew it was Beauty and the Beast and I said it, but the audio
2: didn't work and you only heard I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Why not? Because you lie like all the time. I have never
1: lied even once in my entire life. That in itself is a lie?
2: Mm-mm.
1: Anyway, proceed. I should have also had a point.
0: Well, maybe you'll be faster next time. In, case it's, in case it's been a while since you've seen it. <laughs> Up is the story of Carl Fredrickson, a retired balloon salesman and a widower grieving the death of his wife, Ellie, who he's known since they were children. The two had always dreamed of going to live by Paradise Falls in Venezuela like their hero, the explorer Charles Munts. But despite trying to save up for a trip numerous times throughout their lives, they were never able to visit South America. When Carl gets into an altercation with a construction worker who damages the mailbox he and Ellie decorated, the court determines Carl is a public menace and he is forced to give up the house where he and Ellie lived and move into a retirement home. However, before they can take him away, Carl fills thousands of helium balloons tied to the house and flies it to Venezuela, along with Russell, a child wilderness explorer who is accidentally brought along for the ride. Also, some other things happen, but this has gotten really long. <laughs> so, <laughs> some talking dogs, a giant bird, and a special merit badge made from a bottle cap. Up! Seeing it for the first time, I was surprised it like just how weird the movie is. I knew that the house flew around on a bunch of balloons, but I didn't realize that Carl and Russell wind up dragging it around Venezuela by a garden hose for most of the movie. And every now and then I just sort of like, while watching it, I'd take a step back and be like, wow. Yeah. They've still got that floating house and nobody's really talking about it. But
1: it's still
0: just hanging out behind him
1: i love up it is one of my favorite disney movies and watching i don't remember when i last saw it it's been a little while but i had the same thought but not about the house like i love when movies are kind of weird and they lean into it but i like that we're already having like suspension of disbelief or whatever the term is but then it sort, of, it sort of broke for a moment when he has the dogs flying the planes and then they chew the squeak toy to, like, shoot darts out. It was really entertaining and I enjoyed yeah. it. But I'm like, how did it not register the first couple times I saw this? That, That's silly. That's silly.
0: Yeah. There's, there's talking dogs and a big weird bird and Charles Munz who just kind of lives in the jungle in his zeppelin and is served fancy meals by his dog chef. Who has has a dog chef hat.
2: Yeah, he's so cute.
0: Yeah. It's like, overall, it's not quite B movie weird, but it's definitely funny and quirky in ways that I wasn't really expecting throughout. I was expecting it to be sad and kind of sweet, which it is in, in like pretty equal measures. I didn't cry during the opening sequence, but why not? I did really love it. I don't know why I didn't cry, but it was it was very moving and.
2: (laughs) We all wanted that.
0: Yeah. Well, you didn't cry either, Hallie.
2: I did not. Well, but I've seen it so many times, and I usually tear up near the near the near the ending. Okay. When he's looking through the book again.
0: Okay. Kristen, did you cry this time?
2: I did not.
1: But again, I have seen it before, but I definitely cried the first time I saw
2: it. Oh yeah, the first time I saw it. Yeah, I was crying. It's just like, it's a really good montage is all. Yeah. It's really, I, um, really good. So effective and so like detailed.
0: Yeah. In, in doing research, I found out there's an entire Wikipedia page just dedicated to the first 10 minutes of Up.
2: Wow. Really? just yeah just i mean it deserves it just
0: complete like completely separate from the up wikipedia page there's another one dedicated to that opening sequence that's,
2: that's cool fun. because like i don't know any trivia off the top of my head relating to the opening sequence just that people universally love it and are made sad by it like the theater the whole theater when i saw it for the first time was crying you could just tell
0: yeah. There. Um, yeah, you can if you feel like it, you can go and search on Wikipedia for up opening sequence, and it'll gonna, it'll I'm tell gonna you some. Yeah, it'll tell you tell you a few things. The composer won the Grammy Award for Best Instrumental Composition for Married Life, yeah. the song that's, that's played during that sequence.
2: Uh, was that Michael Giacchino? Was he the? Yep, that's yeah. that's
0: another because he's another point for Hallie.
2: Woo-hoo! he's like a really good composer and that music is really good because they play it you know married life in the beginning but then they also reuse it there's like a sad version and then there's like a happy triumphant i'm gonna get my kid back a version and i really like when films reuse scores in different ways
0: yeah yeah that actually might be one of the uh the first things that we can talk about is, like, what makes those first 10 minutes so effective?
2: I... I think, like, for me, the montage felt a lot longer than I remembered it. So I was paying more attention to, like, what was in it. And it's really, really detailed without showing anything that doesn't need to be shown. Like, for instance, when they're all dropping the money in the little Paradise Falls bottle with the change. Like every time somebody drops a coin in, they change like the time of day and like the clothes that they're wearing and the settings that it goes by really fast, that you can see how much time is passing while they do it. And the detail of like the different outfits that they're wearing and the way their house changes, like informs how you feel about the character, but doesn't take any extra time for them to show. So they're really, really economical with that kind of thing. Um, and it also helps that it's pretty chronological, like right after the wedding, they're redecorating, having a good old time, and then the baby happens, and that's really really sad. Uh, and then after the baby, then they do the Paradise Falls thing, and then at some point it turns into her tying the ties, which is like such a good, such a good transition from middle aged adult to cute elderly couple, because it goes from the from the tie to the bow tie. And that's just, like, really effective and cute. And then that's when the music starts to slow down as well, which is effective. There's just a lot of, like, parts to it that work really, really well together.
0: Yeah. It's... And it's essentially... It's a it's a short, silent film because nobody says anything the whole time. Yeah. We just get the the music and the images. And I guess it's... I guess it's sort of, like, the old cliche of show, don't tell, like we can see what it is, what they really want, like to go adventuring in Venezuela and, you know, they're always saving up for the trip, but then all the obstacles that keep getting the way of their ability to do that. And there's some things that just like, don't need words to be effective. Like the scene at the doctor's office, when, Ellie finds out about the baby and how it's gonna affect their lives. I don't know. It it uses moments like that throughout the entire you know, and then like right after Ellie dies too where it's just a shot of Carl sitting at the funeral home by all the flowers and everything. Yeah, it's just it's a really effective way of hitting every important moment in their lives without spending too much time on any given one like it doesn't drag at all it's it's all
1: i think part of it also works because we did have the little bit of them when they're kids and they're talking so we can learn a little bit about their personalities from the get-go because obviously well not obviously but i feel like you know you take that cute over decades long love story and you show it play out and I think anyone's gonna you know kind of be sad about it but I think showing them in the beginning and how they cared for each other like right off the bat and they had this common interest and Ellie had such spunk when she was younger that I presume she kept when she was older uh, I think that helps carry weight but for me this time I watched it and my parents were sitting in the room and my mom said oh I never noticed the details on their clothing before And I said, Pixar leaves no stone unturned. But I also hadn't really been super paying attention to it, because I think all this time, you know, you focus on the story. But I was really enamored by all the little tiny details in this one and just how they made the texture of everything look. Uh, At some point, we see Ellie's footstool. That might not even be in the intro. I don't know when it is. But I love that footstool. And it's a it's a thing that they didn't have to do. They could have just had any footstool, but they chose, like, a specific pattern. It sort of matched the chair. They made it look like it was all sewn up and done nicely. And like it was actual fabric. And I think they just hit a lot of nails on the head perfectly. The plot, the music, the visuals, just the storytelling in general. I think they...
2: Got A's all across the board. All across the board. Their chairs match their, like, character designs. Because Carl's is all square.
0: I like that as well. And then
2: Ellie's is, like, curvy. Which I always thought was a super cool detail. I think it helps that we we are introduced to them as kids. That we do get a scene with them together before we then go into the montage. Because the montage, without any context beforehand, probably would not have hit the same. But to be fair... Young Carl only says one thing, I think. He and says, it's, wow. No.
0: Right no, before he says
2: the wedding. No. He doesn't oh, say he it. does say no in the yeah. theater.
1: I think it's also fun because, again... He does, no! Uh, my parents have seen it before. We all saw this in theaters. And then, again, they watched it last night. And they have made this comment before, but they make it every time it's on, that that opening scene is literally like my parents you have my very loud wacky redhead crazy hair mom just being herself and then like my quiet reserved dad and then even at their wedding you see her side is all like loud and boisterous and his side is very reserved and quiet like that is my parents coming together and so it's already just like a cute little fun scene but even then I get to be like ha that's funny because I have seen that in real life, and I see it every day. LOL. Yeah. It's a it's a little bit of extra extra fun for me.
0: Do you have um? Do you have other favorite scenes from the movie?
1: Hmm. I do really like, and I'm sure there are many, but oh, I can think of two right off the top of my head. One is when, uh, Charles Munts, we see him turn evil, and you know you turn and you see. All the different helmets, the pilot helmets and the goggles on the different uh, head model things. And he starts knocking them off with the excuses. And obviously we as an audience are picking up that he murdered these people. But they don't even have to say that he <laughs> murdered them. Like the Just the way that he's knocking them off there and the way the whole mood changes. I always thought that was really fun. And then I love when... Carl decides that he's going to go after Russell and Kevin and, you know, go get them. And he's emptying everything off his house and you can just see him pushing stuff. But then as he floats away, he took the time to set the chairs correctly because you know that he thought, okay, even if the house isn't here like we wanted, me and Ellie made it. And so he set those up perfectly and it warms my cold, dead heart.
0: Yeah. How about you, Hallie?
1: I'm sure I
2: have several more, but those are the first two that come to mind? Um, I really like the scene where they're running away from Charles Munts and his spirit of adventure because I really like watching how movies incorporate action when their characters aren't, like, action-y people. Like, like neither mm-hmm. Carl nor, nor Russell are, like, protagonists that you would find in an actual action movie. So I really like watching, and this is a common thing in animated movies especially because the characters tend to be like kids or people thrown out of their element, just watching like how they do action scenes. Because like it's still really exciting and fun, like I really like when Russell's dangling from the- from his little strap between like all the weirdly shaped rocks as they're like jumping from rock to rock. Um, I really like the song that plays, again Michael is just really good at music. Um, I like the very, very sudden camaraderie, uh, from Doug. I mean, not very sudden, because, like, he already clearly liked them, but, like, this is the scene where he throws his lot in with them, as opposed to his master and all the other dogs that he's always known. And it feels right! It feels very right for Doug to go with them during that scene, and to help this, like, fun old man and child over everybody else.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like when they first meet Doug and we first get to hear him talk. I, I just, I, I wasn't expecting talking dogs. Like it comes, it, it's it's a very, it's a very <laughs> sudden left turn for the movie that <laughs> there are so many dogs there's and they all can talk. <laughs> and um, that was just really, it was really charming to me, especially because Doug is just, so funny and lovable and like the the dog to English or human speech or whatever caller. it translates it sort of robotically almost but it's still in like a happy like golden retriever kind of voice
2: yeah it makes it it's so charming the way that it's like not quite broken English but yeah like pulsated English
0: yeah it's um it's really good and it's a really funny like, it would it would be funny, even if it was just a dog who was talking normally. Like, I don't know. I'm easily amused. It doesn't take much. But the fact that <laughs> they went the extra step of having it in that kind of almost robotic, like, GPS voice <laughs> kind of uh, English. I don't know. That was, it was made I, it something special. Think... That was really good.
2: Yeah. Like, I don't think I would have found it funny if it was just a talking dog that communicated normally. I feel like the fact that they considered what how does a talking dog communicate worked really well for that and helped a lot of the humor come across. And it's really funny to me that you didn't know and that came out of left field for you because that was used <laughs> in like all the trailers for it. Like People were banking. Pixar was banking on you loving Doug from the trailer so that you would go see the movie. Like, do you want to see all these talking dogs? We translated it very, very well. And <laughs> in a very very funny manner Please
0: yeah come see no i I don't know that I saw any of the promotional anything for this movie, like like other than like maybe a a poster like i've I've seen obviously I saw the house with the balloons, but other than that, I don't know that I knew a whole lot, and i must have I must have known about Ellie dying as well or inferred it because there's an Sad old man, or a sad-looking old man. He's not really all that sad, but
2: he just—he just. Well, you know, his grief is like manifests in bitterness.
0: Yeah, or at least like I don't know. He's had time to sit with it. It's not as—it's not as raw as it probably was at one point. By the time we get to the the um. Mm-hmm events of up but i don't know he's still i don't know that he's necessarily like bitter at the world but he's still like you know he still bops that guy with his cane when he tries to like touch the mailbox there's still things that he's really touchy about oh yeah
2: like he's
0: i was i was really upset actually by that scene and that the court Decides that Carl is a public menace, and and somehow and somehow the oh, punishment yeah, for were... that is giving up his house and being forced to move into a retirement community. Like that, that that can't possibly it's be how that works.
2: It's a leap, but I was like, well, I don't know, the system is unfair. <laughs> the system is <laughs> pretty much everyone. I was like, they really needed a reason to like kick him out and consign him. And I thought, like, I don't know, that felt like a serious enough thing that it would at least complicate his life. I can, I and can so- think if you want to look too far into
1: it and go deeper than it needs to be, you can probably also argue like that one guy who was after his house for forever. We can say, yeah, but I'm sure behind the scenes he painted a different picture or brought all his fancy lawyers in, so of course they declared Carl a public menace and made him give up his home. Uh, I don't know. I, that's one I mean, of those things that I don't think we're supposed to look too far into not that it won't hold up if we do just it got us from A to B this is how it was done but I think if you wanted to look too far into it you could be like that smarmy businessman had his fingers all up in this and
2: ruined Carl's life
0: yeah yeah
2: scary sunglasses man clearly has some strings he can pull he looks yeah, like he's got he's... connections
0: He's he's Slash so creepy. He like doesn't happen. have a mouth.
2: Yeah, he doesn't have a mouth, and I don't like when he puts his hand on the fence. I do not like when he puts his hand on the fence. It's a very good shot. Yeah, but I don't like it.
0: Yeah, I was upset at that. I was also upset when when Muntz tries to burn the house down.
2: <laughs> it's such an escalation. But Munts is also like he's not all <laughs> there anymore. Like I love that Munce. is just like I'm gonna burn your house down. And I'm also gonna try to kill you with this sword in hand to hand combat. <laughs> like that's he that is how like, far gone I am.
0: I don't know. I don't know how how old um Carl is, but Munz has to be at least like 40 years older I than always, him, right?
1: I always try to do this math because in my mind he was always like at least 30 years older. And then I was thinking, well, maybe if we really want to push our luck, we can say that, you know, maybe Carl and Ellie were like eight or nine in that opening scene. And maybe Charles Munts was a very young explorer and he was like 22 or something. So if we want to really push it, we can say that maybe there's like a 15-year difference between them. But that's that's being generous. Like, I don't believe that there's a 15-year age difference. I don't think we're supposed to think about it too much, but I always do, because I'm like, Carl's gotta be, like, at least 75.
2: So how old is this months man? Like, 100? Right, Charles Muntz feels like somebody who would just survive, though. Like Like, the fact that he is still there, alive and kicking, with a whole bunch of healthy dogs... Just doing his thing. Like, yeah, I would expect no less from Charles Mons. I'd like, like, the fact that he would be unreasonably old only makes it more, make more sense to me. Like, yeah, why not? He's over 100. That, that tracks. Venezuela must be something in the water (laughs) down there. Paradise Falls. A land lost in time. Yeah. The fountain of youth.
0: Yeah, I tried not to uh, not to worry about it too much, like, cause I don't like I hate I hate those people, <laughs> like the that get really hung up on like, well he couldn't possibly still be alive down in the jungle, like.
2: <laughs> like, like shut up. Like obviously <laughs> he is. You happen. saw him.
0: He's right there.
2: <laughs> All the people who were like, you can't use balloons to do that. Like no, like no shit. Of course you fucking can't. <laughs> Fucking let the movie happen. Jesus, this is beautiful. All those balloons just and a house. This is so whimsical and it's a delight to watch. Let it fucking happen. There were people who were doing that, but then there were enough people who were, I think, making jokes against it that it quickly became uh, just completely dismissed. Like, of course, houses can't fly. It's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, those
1: people are no fun. Like, I remember when the most recent Indiana Jones movie with Shia LaBeouf came out. I remember just seeing articles being like, this movie is supposed to take place in 1965, but they have a gun in there that wasn't released until 1967. And I'm like, okay, did you watch like, watching the movie or did you just stare at these little tiny details looking for reasons? Uh, to yeah. I get very like, annoyed.
2: I could see if you were like, oh, but they had an iPhone, like that. That's a bit much. Yeah. But a single bottle of gun that was a couple years. Come on. Come on.
1: People are dumb. But also, I wonder how many balloons it would take to
2: lift a house. I'm sure somebody's calculated that somewhere.
1: I'm guessing more than eight. More than eight? Yes. I don't think you yeah, need this. Yeah, it depends on how big the balloon
0: that. is. Honestly.
1: The balloon is the size of a small elephant.
2: Like a baby elephant? Or just like a smaller than average elephant? Yes. Okay.
0: Did you ever read XKCD? That webcomic?
2: No. No. Okay.
0: Well, never mind then. (laughs) (laughs) He has a... Sorry.
2: (laughs) This is... This is what it's like having conversations with you, but yeah. the other way around.
0: The um, anyway, the the guy who does this webcomic that's really great, also wrote a book called "What If: Serious Scientific Answers to Absurd Hypothetical Questions."
2: Oh wait, yeah, I where do know people that will ask
0: him just completely ludicrous things, and he'll take them he'll take them seriously. And like, I just clicked on. The website, which is what-if.xkcd.com. And the first one is Earth Moon Fire Pole. My son, (laughs) five years old, asked me today if there were a kind of fireman's pole from the moon down to the earth, how long would it take to slide all the way from the moon to the earth? And uh,
1: what a fabulous question.
0: All of the questions are like that. And he takes them seriously and does the math and explains scientifically how this would work. So if you're curious if you're curious about it. Earth Moon fire pole or would a toaster still work in a freezer?
2: <laughs> Wait, would it answer answer me both these questions?
0: The um the articles are fairly thorough. <laughs> but uh
2: There's no
1: abstract at the beginning that summarizes everything in a nice short hundred and fifty words.
0: Well, the answer is the toaster would win the freezer wouldn't do its job toasters beat freezers so that one's fairly straightforward okay, but if okay. you want like a real answer to it you can go and read that article yeah anyways interesting that uh that just reminded me of of that it's a it's a fantastic series and very funny and you, you even you even learn a little bit learn a little bit of a thing so that's my that's my plug for this episode. Go read XKCD. Anyways, back to up.
1: <laughs> back to up. <laughs>
0: there was something that I wanted to ask you about which is so the the writer director, I think it was um I think it was Pete Doctor in an interview said, quote, basically the message of the film is that the real adventure of life is the relationship we have with other people. And it's so easy to lose sight of the things we have and the people that are around us until they are gone. More often than not, I don't really realize how lucky I was to have known someone until they've either moved or passed away. So if you can kind of wake up a little bit and go, wow, I've got some really cool stuff around me every day, then that's what the movie's about. End quote. So my question is, is that the message that you took from the movie?
2: Uh, It's half right. He's half right about his own movie. Go on. Like, I feel like being thankful for people was never really Carl's problem. And that's not really a thing that factors into the movie. That much, at least, because Carl was always thankful for Ellie. And, like, I don't... The montage does not imply to me that he ever took her for granted. Just that he was sad when she wasn't a part of his life anymore. But, you know, he would be... He would be regardless, even if in the moment you were like, Wow, I'm so lucky to have this person in my life. And then he kind of needs to, like, open back up again and let, like, Russell into his life. But again, that doesn't feel like... Him pushing people away because you don't realize how lucky you are to have someone. It feels just like grief. And he's not quite ready for a new person. And also Russell is just, like, this annoying kid on his porch. So, like, Carl's problems don't really feel in tune to that for me. They feel in tune to, like, he didn't understand ellie as well as he thought he did like he was like i'm going to honor her by doing what she always wanted to do i'm going to take the house to paradise falls etc etc and then even though she never got to fill in her um the adventure book her adventure book is it called the my story but like what's the The second section in the adventure or things i'm going to do stuff i'm going to do because she never got to fill out the stuff she's going to do but she did, and so Carl just, like, misunderstood how thankful she was for things, and it seems like he misunderstands how thankful other people are to have, like, him in their lives. And it, it felt just like he needed a really quick reality check about, like, what other people find important. Like the curb at Fenton's, uh, Russell says a line, like, I really like that curb. That's, that, that's on the tail of something else, um, that he remembers all the small moments the most at Fenton's or something. Which is, like, I love that. It's extremely my brand. I've said before that I like small stakes, and I like, like, small relationships like that, so I am very into somebody realizing that, like, adventure doesn't necessarily just mean adventure. It means, like, being close with your loved ones and doing things that make you happy, and so it felt a lot... I feel like you're contradicting yourself. No, I'm not. I was about to wrap it up, and then you distracted me. It's like, it's like, he, he didn't need to learn to appreciate people, he needed to learn to appreciate things, which sounds more shallow than I intend it to be, but it, it feels a lot less like he forgot to appreciate Ellie, it's that he forgot to appreciate the small things and how things change. I disagree.
1: I just feel, read the quote again, because I need it fresh in my brain.
0: Okay. The quote again is, basically, the message of the film is that the real adventure of life is the relationship we have with other people. And it's so easy to lose sight of the things we have and the people that are around us until they are gone. More often than not, I don't really realize how lucky I was to have known someone until they either moved or passed away. So if you can kind of wake up a little bit and go, wow, I've got some really cool stuff around me every day, then that's what the movie's about.
1: See, I feel obviously I don't know Hallie's brain. I don't want to be in Hallie's brain, but I feel like you wish you
2: could be in my brain.
1: God, no. I feel like your brain may be focused more on the I don't realize like how fortunate enough I was to know a person until they have moved away or died or something like that. I don't think that there was any point that Carl took Ellie for granted or didn't appreciate her enough. I think it was more so... And I think he gets two versions of this. I think, you know, they're preparing for the baby and they have all these things they're going to do. And then they lose the baby. And I feel like you have that moment of... There is... Obviously, like, that's a very sad thing that happened. But... There are still so many things that we can do together and we can still have our own adventures like going to Paradise Falls. And so I feel like there's that version that they get to sort of reframe their life now and do that. And then I feel like there's the second version of he was very focused on getting Ellie to Paradise Falls and thinking more so like, God, that's the thing that we never got to do. I have to do this for her and all these things and it's not that he's wrong, he wants to fulfill this, but I think he was more focused on the fact that she's gone and they didn't get to do this thing, whereas Ellie, realizing you know, maybe that she didn't have great health, we don't know when she filled this out, if she did it all while she was in the hospital or gradually over the years, but that she noticed all these little tiny moments and filled it out and you know, you get two adventures. You get the actual Paradise Falls adventure and then you get the adventure of people that you're with. And sometimes the adventure is the tiny things, like Russell said, where you just sit outside Fenton's on that curb and you count the cars. And I don't know, I feel like it's it's never that he didn't appreciate anyone enough, just that he needed a reminder That after losing Ellie, there are still things to do. And sometimes those things to do, the big important stuff, is the little stuff. So I agree with the quote. I don't know that that was necessarily my first initial, this is the message of the movie. And I don't know what I would have said the message of the movie was before I heard that. But hearing it, it clicks
2: for me. You said almost the same words as me. Yeah, but you were
1: saying like, Carl doesn't understand Ellie and Carl
2: didn't, No, I, mean, I don't I think he mean, didn't like, appreciate her, but he didn't understand like, I think, her. No, he just didn't realize that, like, I think Ellie's priorities shifted over the years and I don't think she was ever, like, maybe a little bit sad, like, oh, I wanted to do this and never got to, but, like, I don't think Paradise Falls was as big a deal to her as Carl thought that it was at the end. I think at the
1: end he thought of it as more one thing that they never got to do together. Not even that it was necessarily this big thing, but I mean it was something they had talked about since they were little and he bought the plane tickets and he was gonna give them to her on their picnic and then you know things went wrong. And so I think especially because he was going to give them to her and then she had her illness or injury or whatever it was it was Extra fresh in his brain. Even though it, like David mentions, it seems uh, like some time has passed. Like his grief isn't super raw. We don't know how long it has been since Ellie has passed away. But I think, you know, it's something that they had wanted to do for a long time. That they were about to do. And so he wants to check that one thing off the list. I don't know, I just felt like your version of it was he needs to focus... On things, and I'm like, no, (laughs) I think he needs to focus on things like
2: (laughs) material possessions, like obviously because that's not what
1: you meant. But I feel like you were saying things like sitting outside Fenton's, and I'm like, yeah, but he's sitting there with a
2: friend, it's a personal interaction, okay, that's true. And he did, you got the impression that he like shut himself away from people after Ellie died,
1: yeah. So part of the whole thing is that I don't know, but life is worth, or
2: part of life is. Interacting with other people. But that feels more like learning to move on and let yourself open up again rather than, like... I mean, I guess they are tied. Being thankful for people who are in your life and allowing yourself to enjoy their company are, like, similar. Yes. And I didn't, like, write up, so I probably don't have as strong a grasp on what the writers meant as the writers. But I'm usually right, so... No, you are not. That's a point in my favor. How is that a point in your favor? (laughs) That I'm usually right? You're not usually right. I am usually right. No! I've never been wrong, (laughs) not even a single time, and I always explain myself clearly and eloquently
1: and succinctly. You are saying so many falsehoods, but David, did you- Did you see the difference between what I was saying and what Hallie was saying? Not that either of them was bad, but I finished talking and Hallie was like, you said the same words I did. Did you get the distinction or did it seem like I just reset
0: it? I I think you're both on the same sort of wavelength, though there are differences in the things that you had to say. Thank you. But to me, the message of the movie, like if it even has one, I think is more like... Losing someone is hard. It's like, it's like the hardest thing in the world. And it makes you do crazy things sometimes.
1: Like fly your house to Venezuela.
0: Like fly your house to (laughs) Venezuela. But that there are other people who are still alive that you can still be there for too. And that you don't have to spend your life trying to make up for things that you didn't do with the people who are now gone. I think it would be something like that if I were to tag a message onto the movie. I don't think i agree with the idea that like it's easy to lose sight of the things we have and the people around us until they're gone like that didn't really strike me as what the movie was about at all like carl loves ellie like crazy and i don't think that he ever really loses sight of that even after she's gone Mm -mm. so yeah and and maybe it's just me that i'm always trying to find some like sad message about (laughs) loss and grief in in Disney movies, but in this case, I feel vindicated. I'm pretty sure that there was sadness this one is about grief. grief. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's what this one's about.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I fortunately have not been through a scenario where I lose a very close loved one, but I can imagine that if you experience that then viewing this, you get a whole new perspective on it. That, you know, maybe you, you vaguely understood, you hit the tip of the iceberg on it before, but I think if you experience it, maybe you can have a much bigger thing. Like you said, your interpre- interpretation of it was that loss is hard. And yeah, I think that's a very valid point. I think. I don't know. I had a better summary at the end to wrap this up and it's gone now, but yes. Agreed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, in the movie, it, the metaphor of that, or like the symbolism, it, it's literally something that he drags around with him everywhere. Is this house that's full of all the things that have to do with his dead wife. And he, he carries that with him everywhere. And, At the end, when it finally like sinks down through the clouds, and he says, "Oh, it's okay. It's just a house," like he's he's finally realized that I don't know to focus on the the living, I guess, a bit more, or to you know that he does care about Russell and that there's
1: and the dog um, and Kevin
0: there's and and the dog and Kevin and there's more to life than holding on to the the past.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's part of the reason I really enjoy when he sets the chairs down cuz I think it's a very um moment of him a a moment of realization I guess and you know literally physically getting rid of some of that baggage that he'd been holding on to but again you can see with the care that he places the chairs by the waterfall that it's not that he's like doing this and purging Ellie from his life or his memories he still you know takes time to put their chairs there and set it up just so because he still loves Ellie tremendously but I think that's you know his exact moment of this house has memories and they're wonderful but it does not you know I can't think of the correct verb it, it, I think you know really, you're holding it, on to the past and there are still things going on in the present and things that can go on in the future and you got to you got to put some of that stuff down
2: i think the chairs yeah. help in that that's an actual moment of closure for him mm-hmm. like it's a really nice compromise for leaving the whole house there the his chair like that gives him the closure that he wants and that isn't a bad thing to want to have. No, but he's also getting rid of it in the process. So it just it serves a dual purpose and it's very very nice and very very satisfying and I'm very happy for Carl in that moment.
0: Yeah. If there are two messages, the other one is never meet your heroes. Yeah. Cuz <laughs> it turns out that they might be crazy and try and kill you.
2: That's a that's a theme for Pixar. Don't meet your heroes. They like to they like to do that from time to time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Still so mad that he tried to burn down the house. I'm mad. (laughs) I have it It like several times in my
2: notes. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you burn the house down?
0: Like, what are you? What is wrong with you? Yeah,
1: Hallie, I can only think of one other Disney movie that is like, don't meet your heroes. What other What other movie is there? Uh, I don't want the
2: Incredibles. I would argue. Uh, Yeah, Uh... I guess falls into that. Uh, Ratatouille brushes on it a little bit.
1: Um... I need to rewatch Ratatouille. It's been a minute.
2: Ratatouille's great.
1: I think um, I get upset that I can't actually eat the food.
2: Yeah, that is a- that is a bummer. Uh, Monsters, Inc. Maybe touches on it a little bit. I would argue that. Hmm. Because of, uh... Crab mortaries. guy. Yeah. I suppose. Um, uh,
1: Coco. Well, Coco. That's the given.
2: Yeah. Um. Do-do-do-do-do. That's all I got. I'm looking through a list of other, but that's like that's like a fair few. That's that's a decent number. That's yeah. A,
0: that, that's a number.
1: Okay, I guess I'll accept it. Proceed. Do we get a point? Did you just ask if you get a point? No, you don't get a point. I did. You do You googled the title of movies. I
2: think I get a point, which would bring my total to titles. Two. I googled a well, like, list of no, Pixar that's, movies, that's, and then I went. and was like, yeah, that fits into my theory. <laughs> that that works. <laughs> <Huh>.
0: <laughs> you already have two points this episode.
2: I do. Oh, because You're I knew Michael to Giacchino's her. name. Because I knew Giacchino's name. Yeah. I have two, I'm okay with two points. Two really good number of points to have.
0: It is. That's like 20 in fantasy football.
2: It might be. I need to see how I'm doing. Any further questions, David?
0: Uh, There's some questions. There's more observations, I think. One of the things that Hallie noted when we watched it, is, but that I also enjoyed, was that I like that Ellie and Carl had a comfortable life while Ellie is working at the zoo and Carl is selling balloons for a living. Like, but they still have, they've got a nice house, and they've got money for all of their needs. And they enjoyed what they were doing, and they got paid enough to live on.
2: Yeah, isn't that what nice? A, what a
0: wonderful world.
1: Like, ah, uh, happy for them. You can tell you can tell capitalism has crushed your spirit when you're like, these two people have jobs, and they have a home. <laughs> like, I'm so happy for yay. them. Yeah. But, uh... I do like, and I I know that Ellie losing the baby and then presumably not being able to have kids, you know, is the message I'm assuming we're supposed to get. Very sad, and I feel for them, 1000%. But I also do sort of enjoy that it shows a couple that still has fun and enjoys mm-hmm. each other's company and hangs out and loves each other and they don't have kids because... Everyone's always like, God, you gotta have a kid, and it's like, kids mm-hmm. are exhausting. But and look, they still had a wonderful life without them. That sounds mean, given the fact that she had the miscarriage, and I do not
2: mean it that no. way, in, like at all. I, I, because nobody should ever joke about that. I'm going up for bat for you, and like, I know what you mean. It's nice to see a fulfilled, happy couple who doesn't. It's nice to see that it's okay to be a childless couple, you know? Like, Yeah. Show me more of those to make it more of a norm because it's not for everybody,
1: right? Four reasons X, Y, and Z. We don't know them. We don't need to know them. But you can be a childless couple and still have a wonderful life as Carl and Ellie did. Yeah.
0: Though I was a little bit curious. I wondered if the time that Carl spends with Russell, especially at the end, like sort of in the end credits montage where they're, you know, they're having ice cream and they're hanging out and they're doing, he, he becomes a little bit more grandfatherly. If that's sort of mm-hmm. a way of, I don't know, living that part of the life that he didn't have with Ellie. Is... I
2: can see that. It is, but I don't see it as like life finally giving him something he was missing. I see this life giving right. him what he needs now. Yeah. And and yeah. Russell also needs somebody to step into that role, too.
0: Yeah. We don't get a lot about Russell's family life, but it doesn't sound like he's having a good time.
2: No, he misses his dad. His dad is always busy. When he calls, Phyllis just says that she annoys him. Yeah. Like, how sad to be told you annoy your parent. Yeah, like, what a mean lady, like, Phyllis. What the heck? And then,
0: and then his dad doesn't show up at the Wilderness yeah, Explorer Yeah,
2: but, like, his mom does. Ceremony. His and mom I, does. I appreciate and that Doug, they're, like... Doug's there. Yeah, that they're, like, here's a parental unit who does have an interest in Russell's life. Yeah. And I know that the whole point is that Carl is supposed to
1: step in and be, like, I'm here for him and, you know, do what he does, but... At the same time, part of me wants to be like, if I was Russell's mom, I know that maybe, (laughs) I don't know, I'd be torn because on the one hand, I don't want him to be embarrassed if everyone else has their dad there and I go up as their mom. Like, you know what? I don't care if your dad's not here. I'm still here for you. I wouldn't want to embarrass him, but I wouldn't want that big public display of this person didn't come for you. Also, shame on his dad right horrible thing to do i'm gonna kick him in the face when i see uh, him but i do love that carl stepped in and then he gave him the ellie badge
2: when i went to disney when i was 18 that was the pin i got oh adorable we have for anybody who's listening to this podcast um who hasn't heard that i'm on a separate podcast called quest friends one of our characters on the podcast is named ellie badge for the exact reasons you think because she's just like ellie but if carl died and if that if that death was a little bit more tragic and before its time. <laughs>
0: just a little bit more tragic.
2: It's a little bit more tragic.
0: Yeah. The um the last thing I, I wanted to talk about, and I think we already touched on it quite a bit, but just the role of like dreams and promises throughout the movie. Everybody collaborate. Ha- well, everybody has you know, Carl and Ellie have their dream of going to Paradise Falls and the promise that he makes her throughout the movie. Like, he keeps doing the the cross my heart thing. Like, that's the thing that keeps coming up throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. M- munts has his own dream of vindication by capturing the bird and, like, pr- proving to everybody that he didn't just fabricate this giant bird skeleton or whatever. And Russell's dream is sort of, like, I guess, showing his self-worth through the Wilderness Explorers and the and he has his own issues with promises because the promises that his dad makes keep falling through. And I, I sort of wondered if that was part of the reason that Carl bonds with him after learning a little bit about his family story. Like Carl recognizes the power of promises and and keeping them. And that's something that's really important to him. And notices that Russell doesn't really have someone in his life who will keep promises like that.
2: Yeah, Sometimes that all, I wonder that all to be promises. Are not important.
1: even promises are important, but um, part of me wondered, like, obviously we don't see Carl like believing that he's talking to Ellie's ghost per se. But, you know, he often looks up at the house and says, Ellie, or is clearly talking to her in some way. And when I watched it last night, uh, the part where Russell first says, cross your heart, and you can see Carl's eyes widen and he looks down at Russell. I wonder almost if he interpreted that as some sort of sign. Because, you know, obviously Russell just shared that his family life had been hard and had difficulties but I think it was that in combination with this thing that him and Ellie always did. That it was sort of a a sign for him. That not quite that Russell's a kindred spirit. I don't know, but I, th- I think it sort of woke something up. Because I think before then he had maybe settled into like, oh yeah, sure, kid, I'll do it. But I think at that point it reminded him... That him and Ellie always did it, and maybe even that he made a promise to come to Paradise Falls, and he did, and so now he's got other promises to keep, too. Maybe. I don't know.
2: I don't know. I also feel like the nature of the promise feels different, though. Like, we have a reasonable promise to make that should be able to be kept, which is, I will show up to your wilderness badge ceremony. Mm-hmm. And then we have, like, I'm gonna fly our house to Paradise Falls, slash I'm going to capture this bird even if it means spending the next 70 odd years living in the jungle (laughs) in my zeppelin. Right. So like the neat like how far you're willing to take a promise also feels like a very subtle theme to me and implies there's like there's like a limit to how much you have to do to prove to your loved ones that you value them and care about them. Like I don't think keeping the promise to go to Paradise Falls was something that Ellie was actually holding Carl to by the end of their lives. When when they were children, absolutely, she was totally going to hold him to that. But then, you know, they grew up and were like, oh, well, life is life, and sometimes promises can't be kept. But, like, Russell's, the promise that Russell doesn't get is, like, something so small and easy to do that it's really, really sad when it isn't met. Do you think that I think that Ellie and Carl were
1: like hell-bent on going to Paradise Falls no matter what? Because I feel like anytime time I say, yeah, they made this promise and they wanted to go, you, you counter it with, I don't think Ellie actually like demanded this by the end. I'm not saying that I think Ellie was like, Carl. If you don't bring our house to Paradise Falls, when you meet me in the afterlife, I'm gonna slap you so hard, you'll go back into the land of the living. Like, I don't know. I don't think she's alive or not. Oh. Like, gung-ho about it. It's just that every time I say, yeah, they had this promise. It's a thing they wanted to do, and it meant a lot. You're like, you know, I don't think it meant that much at the end. Like, okay,
2: fine, rude. I don't mean to directly counter you, because I- agree with you it was a very important, unique thing that they wanted to do. It it was just something that I said when I was phrasing my thoughts. But that's I don't I bad. don't think you you're over there being like the only thing that matters in up is the promise the Paradise Falls <laughs> Kevin promise. Means nothing. <laughs> like, I Russell don't means think, nothing. I don't Bring think the, the house to the waterfall. <laughs> and it's not the one I'm trying to fight. It just it just it helped me put everything else into my thoughts to first clarify that one and then move on. So you think it needed clarifying? No.
0: I guess we should talk about Kevin too.
2: Oh my God! Now we always talk about Kevin, the character that you didn't know was in the movie, even though you named somebody as a Kevin.
0: That's true. Also, Good. I do want to point out that I was pretty close with my summary last week.
2: I do not remember. Disappointingly, so.
0: It was perfect. In every way, except that I thought the child was named Kevin, and not a giant bird who lives in the jungle.
2: I can't believe you didn't see that coming. And isn't
1: reality so much better than what you had guessed?
0: Oh, almost always.
1: (laughs) 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 But yeah, no, I love Kevin with my whole heart. And I got mad. Like, I, I understand why Carl... Like again, months real mean move to set the house on fire should not have done that. Should have not that, done that. End,
2: he should why not have why Carl done that.
1: prioritized going back to the house because the whole thing is that he's trying to bring the house here for Ellie and he sees the balloons popping and he sees his hope dwindling, so I get why he runs back. But I was absolutely on Russell's side at the end when he's like, You left Kevin, you let them take her and, you know, they put, they, they put the rope thing on her and Kevin's just trying to get back to her babies. And it makes me very upset. I do not like it because I only want the best for Kevin and the other animals on this island, including the dogs. I thought at the end, like, oh, my God, did they leave all these dogs in Venezuela? But no, they're also on the blimp. Yeah, there they are.
2: They're going. And, like, Carl has to deal with that now. <laughs> he just has yeah. like a hundred dogs, and he has to figure out <laughs> what what do I do with these? I just want the one.
0: Yeah,
1: but uh, I think Kevin is a very essential little piece of the movie. That I don't, I not essential, and that the movie couldn't be great without it. But I think it adds an extra layer of of gooey, heartwarming
2: delightfulness. I, mean, I, don't I know agree.
1: that
2: Yeah, there would be a plot without Kevin, though. I mean, I'm sure you could think of something, but Kevin would need to be replaced with, like, a different Plot McGuffin type type deal. Oh, that's true,
1: because Kevin is what Muntz was there
2: for. Yeah. But I also, I like Kevin's design, and I like the sounds that she makes, because Kevin's, like, I don't know, just like a really funny bird to watch. Yeah. Like a plus design.
0: I like that that she just kind of screams at people sometimes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the sound she makes. One of my favorite parts is when. What was she wait? Like, what was that? Ah! <laughs> I like when she nuzzles Russell goodbye and then roughly pats Carl and then just shrieks at Doug, because it's actually really nice that she even says goodbye to Doug. Yeah. You know that was
1: Kevin being polite. I also really loved Kevin's super menacing, when when Kevin was hanging from the tree and sort of hanging out with Russell and Carl was like, no, shoot, you have to get away from here when they first meet. And then Kevin just steps down from the tree and is, her head stays completely straight. Yeah, really like, I know scene. birds can do that, but it's so creepy and alarming. And, and one more thing, not pertaining to Kevin, but... I loved all of Doug's expressions throughout this movie. Like, especially what made me think of it is when he said that Kevin said goodbye to Doug and Doug, you know, had his ears go down for a little bit, but then they just sort of popped back up afterwards and he kept panting and everything was so very dog-like. Like, of course, Pixar, you know, like I said earlier, leaves no stone unturned. And I'm sure they had many a dog expert to really nail this down. But... They did a really good job.
2: I think that's part of what makes the translators so charming, too, is because, like, the talk will be happening while the dog's mouth is open and just, like, doing the heavy breathing that dogs do. Or, like, he'll be, like, looking around, not quite at the person he's talking to, but you know that he's talking to that person. I don't know, like, the the semi-vacant expression that Doug usually wears combined with the tone of voice is just so delightful.
0: Yeah. That's actually a good segue into our new feature, which is personality quiz results. <laughs> we remembered to- Did
1: you get Doug? <laughs> we
0: remembered to take a personality quiz for this movie and for the last movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which we posted on the Twitter, where you can find us at Catching Up David. But this time we took the quiz before the episode, so we can share our results with you in real time. And yes, I got Doug. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me read what, uh, we'll post the link to the quiz, which was very thorough. There are a lot of questions in this, which up character are you quiz, but I got Doug. And it says, you have a warm and welcoming nature. A true and loyal friend, you are always enthusiastic and willing to help others whenever you can. Dedicated to those you love, there is nothing you wouldn't do, even if you do occasionally get distracted by squirrel. And then it has a picture of Doug in the Cone of Shame.
2: Oh, not the Cone of
0: Shame. <laughs> so that, that was, that's my up personality quiz result. Hallie, who did you get?
2: Uh, I also got Doug. Oh, nice. So everything you just read also applies to me.
0: Great, Kristen.
2: I did not
1: get Doug. I got Carl, (laughs) which doesn't feel like it fits but also maybe, uh, the description for this result says you deeply value your privacy and personal goals. You might come off as a grump when you find yourself stepping outside your comfort zone, but under that tough exterior, you are a softie at heart. But when the going gets tough, there's no one better than you. So I feel like the description isn't like completely wrong. But when I first saw that I got Carl, I'm like, I'm not Carl. I'm like
2: Kevin or something. There what do you mean? A lot of people more dependable I wanted to than be... you. So I don't know if I agree with Carl.
1: I'm very dependable. Mm. Very. I don't know. I just i I think I really wanted to get Ellie. I don't know if she was an option because of how little she's in the movie, but I wanted to get Ellie. Everybody wants to get Ellie.
0: Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to say, but maybe. Maybe you, loyal listener, will get Ellie <laughs> when you take the personality quiz. Tell us which, if you do. Tell us if you do. I'll put the the link up on the Twitter and you can uh, find out which up character you are. That'll be fun for next time. Speaking Woo! of next time, did we have anything more that we wanted to talk about?
2: Uh, no, except that we oh. should we should all say happy anniversary to each other.
0: Yes, I happy... remember
2: that when you mentioned Twitter.
0: There you go. Yes, tonight, the night that we're recording this, November ninth, is the one-year anniversary of catching up, David. Woo! Our very first episode went up one year ago tonight. Woo! So happy What's anniversary, been? everybody! Sorry.
2: Happy anniversary, David! Happy
1: anniversary. You're welcome for having me on this podcast.
0: Absolutely. I I am really grateful to have spent the last year watching movies with you all. Ah, I really enjoyed Even the enjoyed ones it. that
1: you weren't so happy to watch.
0: <laughs> even the Hangover. <laughs>
2: <laughs> even the Which Hangover. I think it's still our least favorite one.
0: Yeah, I think probably by far.
1: <laughs> Although next time we go into a different genre. I don't think we've done that before. Like, the the, the scary. I think the closest so we've come is Black Swan. It's scariness. Ah, darn Black Swan.
2: That seems still more psychological. Yeah, like like, like like the closest we've come is Black Swan, but that would fall more under psychological thriller. I don't think we've done a proper horror yeah. movie yet.
0: Yeah.
1: We have not. So oh, maybe oh. this will be your new least favorite if it's scary and bad enough. Maybe. But I doubt it will be. It has Florence Pugh. <laughs> this is amazing.
0: Yeah. So for next time, Daniel and his friends decide to take a summer break vacation to the gorgeous Irish countryside. They meet friendly locals, drink plenty of strong Irish whiskey and spend a couple weeks relaxing in pastoral paradise. Then just before they're about to leave, they hear of a local festival not too far away from the village where they're staying. It's a centuries-old tradition, and Daniel, a bit of a history buff, decides that he has to see it for himself. So he leaves his friends and takes a bus to the town, where time itself seems to stand still. The festival is a blast. Daniel gets to milk a goat, try some local delicacies, and everyone there is so kind and welcoming, nothing scary or creepy happens whatsoever. That's right. For next time, we're watching Midsummer a movie about local customs and good cheer where nothing scary or creepy happens whatsoever (laughs) from the director of hereditary. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler. I think some creepy things are going to (laughs) happen. That's all I know about it.
2: I'm so excited.
0: But
1: did I tell you that I've already looked up the plot? I did this months ago before I knew that we were going to watch this, but it always sounded good to me but i thought it would be too scary so i'm like i need to know what happens and so i know everything that happens in this movie but i'm excited to see it
0: great yeah i i'm usually the opposite i if i know that i i want to see a movie i want to know absolutely nothing about it before i see it i don't oh
1: that's usually me
0: yeah i don't like
1: I like to go in as blind as possible. I don't even like when people are like, it's really funny. I'm like, you don't know my sense of humor. Stop it. <laughs> Shut <Yeah>. up.
2: <laughs> Nobody gets to recommend movies to me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm not a nice person. Nobody understands me. Uh... <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Normally I like to go in very blind, but I did not think, I, I, I believed myself to be too much of a coward. So I looked it
0: up. Yeah. So this will be, this will sort of be our Halloween episode, like three weeks or whatever after Halloween. But that's
1: how it is sometimes. That's just
0: how it is sometimes. We had, we had my big fat Greek wedding, which was for the week of Halloween. And this will be just a little bit after. So that'll be for next time in a couple of weeks when we get together for midsummer. So until then, uh, goodbye, Hallie.
2: Goodbye, David.
0: Goodbye, Kristen.
1: Farewell, David. And maybe one of these days you will say hello and goodbye to me first instead (laughs) of second.
0: I'll try and remember that for next time.
1: Not until you get more points. I will hold you to it. That's true. Okay, well, I'm going to come in swinging at the next one.
0: (laughs) 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 Got to do all the research.
1: Oh, I've already done some stuff. There are things that I already know.
0: That's true. You should um No. I was gonna say you should watch Hereditary for an extra point, but you really shouldn't you know I can't. watch Hereditary.
2: Oh no, you would not you like Hereditary. I can't. You... I
1: can't handle decapitation.
0: No. Yeah, that's a that's a big part of the uh the plot. It is.
1: So I hear. So I hear.
0: Just it just keeps happening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Although maybe that's what I need. I need something where it's just beheadings left and right to desensitize me.
2: Maybe. that Hereditary is the movie for you. That'll, uh, that'll cure
0: what ails you.
1: Sound like a car salesman, like, do you have a problem seeing people lose their heads? (laughs) Would you like to see a lot of them lose their heads? (laughs) Do we have the movie for you?
0: Yeah. All right. (laughs) Yeah. So for next time, so long, listeners. Goodbye.